Hey, it is so good to see everybody here again this morning. And uh, I wonder how many of you thought you were coming to the 930 service. Anybody want to be honest? Okay. All right. Most of you didn't. Okay. I kind of noticed as I was sitting there, I looked around, some of you were yawning a little bit. Okay. You lost that hour of sleep. And, and uh, so I'll try not to put you to sleep. Okay. Some of you probably, hey, if I need to go to sleep, I'll just put Pastor Stephen in. He'll be my Simonex or whatever. Huh? But uh, hey, we're so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, we have enjoyed doing this series, had some great comments on it, and some of you have uh, talked about it on social media, and you know how you were able to relate some of these games to your life, and, and you know, we started out with Pastor Guinea talking about you know, operation and how, how the, body, the body of Christ has, has different uh, things to do and, and, and different functions, and, and we all work together. And then we talked about Scrabble and how... <clears throat> what comes out of your mouth basically is harvested in, in, in your heart. And, and it's a seed that what you say can be harvested and how the Bible in, you know, instructs us to encourage others and look for those that need to be encouraged. And, uh, and then last week, Pastor Jeannie talked about sorry and, and, and forgiveness. And it was so great to hear how she, how she brought that out and expressed that and, and helped us to relate to that. Because for some of us, maybe some words that were said to us caused us to say we're sorry or maybe caused us to embrace forgiveness that somebody gave us. And, and so that was very important. And this morning, uh, we're going to kick into the game Trivial Pursuit to kind of wrap up this series. But before we do, I'm just so excited about next week that Pastor Mark is going to be here with us. And uh, I got to go over and hear him speak to a big youth thing yesterday morning. And let me tell you something, he was locked and loaded, okay? And he will be locked and loaded when he gets here next week. And, and he's going to have not just a double barrel, but a quadruple barrel for us uh, next week. And so if you've never met Pastor Mark, and you may be new here in this time, you will love him. He is a people's pastor. And uh, I remember when I stood up on the stage, Austin, almost four months ago, and said, God already knows who's going to be the pastor of Four Points Church. God already knew that Pastor Mark was going to be back here. God was not fooled, okay? And uh, we're just blessed and exciting to see what's going to happen and to see what God is going to continue to do here at this church. Well, Trivia Pursuit was basically a game that two journalists created. In fact, they were all the time asking each other questions and, and seeing how much the other person knew and trying to catch them with something they didn't know. And so as they began to do that, they kind of decided, well, why don't we make this into a game? And they created this game called Trivial Pursuit, you know, where you basically have to answer questions and you go up the colored scale and, and to win the game and things like that. In the first two years of that game, it sold over 20 million copies. Can you imagine that? That was a hit wonder immediately. How many of you like to play Trivia Pursuit? Okay. <clears throat> I hate it. Okay. Because I stink at that. I'm not real good at answering questions. Okay. It's a little too complicated for me. But I have played it. And it is fun. But I never do very well in that game. As I was preparing for this message, I looked up the word trivia and I looked up the word pursuit. I, I never realized what the word trivia means. I don't know if any of you here know what that mean, word means. It means pieces of information of little importance. Did you know that? Pieces of information of little importance. 
You may say, that kind of sounds like what I talk about. That sounds like my life. But then the word pursuit means <clears throat> to quest or a quest or engage. If you put those two words together, I think it's pretty amazing because I think it probably describes a lot of our life. We're pursuing things of little importance. Would you agree with that? That that's what the life in America has become. In other words, we're focusing on trivial things. Things that don't make a lot of difference. We go to school so we can get a good education. Why? So we can get a good job. If we get a good job, why do we want that? So we can make lots of money. Why? So we can impress lots of people. Then we go and buy things with, that we don't need with money we don't have so we can impress lots of people. And then about the time we get where we want to be and we begin to think we've impressed somebody, then the Joneses go and refinance and it blows everything, right? Huh? Isn't that kind of how it works out? That's trivial pursuit. Who wants to play? How's the game going? I thought about, now how in the world could I explain to them those two words in my own life? Well, you guys will have to excuse me. I don't know what's up with my throat, but it's still continuing that kind of crazy. But the word trivia, basically to pursue things of little importance, that was me in high school <clears throat> and college because I felt like an education was something of little importance, right? Some of you out there would be right beside me, wouldn't you? Okay. Now, I realized about my senior year in college and as I got into taking some things in seminary that that, that was not the case, that I needed to make those things a lot more important. I am so glad that my children have not followed my example, okay, that they have realized how important that, that an education can be to them. So trivia, things of little importance. But then the word pursue. <clears throat> how in the world could I explain that word to you so you might would understand. Well, here's the best way I know to do it. About 37 years ago, now I know that's older than most of you here, okay? I walked into my dad's church and I sat down and, and I looked over to what I thought was a, another girl, a friend of mine, and I saw the most beautiful girl in the world. And I said, there is a God right here in this church. And it ended up being my wife, okay? And I looked right there as I sat there, I was like, God, this will work. This is it right here. And I had, and when I met her and saw her, I was like, you know what? I had met her before, and I didn't realize she was going to be there. And at that moment, I realized, I think this is who I'm going to marry. And, and so I began to pursue her, okay? I began to find out about her and, and try to, you know, be with her. In fact, our second date, just to give you a little trivia, something that's probably not important information, I was a student pastor at a church. And, and we were having a lock-in, and so I invited her to go on this lock-in with us, okay? Probably not real smart of a guy, but you know. And the first thing that we did at that lock-in, I was at a church, a very country church out in the country, and some of the guys wanted me to go cow-tipping with them, okay? So if you're from, not from the South, you probably don't know what cow-tipping is, okay? And uh, I'll let Morgan explain that to you later, okay? But uh, it's, it can be a lot of fun. But what happened is we were out there cow tipping, the bull got after me, and then I almost didn't make it out, and I got stuck on the barbed wire in the cow fence. So, you know, I probably didn't impress her a whole lot, but hey, she's still with me, so, you know, maybe the pursuit was okay. But in your relationship with God, is it trivia or is it pursuit? Is it one of little importance 
or is it something that, that you're going after that, 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 that is, is a quest? What is your spiritual life like? You see, your response to that question, though, is probably not just based on how you feel, but it can be based on your knowledge of God. It can be based on who God is to you. It can be based on your perception of God. You can't trust a God that you have a bad perception of. You, you can't trust a God and pursue a God that you really don't know. You can't pursue a God that you don't believe loves you. You, don't, you can't necessarily love a God who you think you have to perform for. So your tradition or the way you were brought up or your perception of the God that you pursue can have a lot to do with your relationship to God and how He appears to you. So the trivial pursuit question this morning is, what kind of God do you believe in? What is your God like? Because see, if you're confused about God, then it's going to create roadblocks and it's going to create barriers between you and God. And it's going to affect how much you let God be involved in your life. Because your view of God shapes every single thing that you do in your life. So what is God like to you this morning? How do we know what God is like? Well, I think we can look at creation. We can see a lot about God. We, we can look at His Word and, and see things that are written about Him. I believe this morning, maybe if you are searching for God, would you agree with me even if maybe you embrace evolution? Maybe that's where you are. But we, would you not agree with me this morning that, that creation shows that it took an intelligent designer? I think no matter what, what your view is, no matter where you are intellectually, we would have to agree that the world that we're in took an intelligent designer. You know what the Bible does? The Bible shows us who the intelligent designer is. The Bible shows us what the intelligent designer is like. I want you to look with me this morning in Isaiah chapter 40, and, and, and let's read this, and I think it shows us some of what God is like. It shows us His majestic sense, His, his creativeness. Look at it. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on the scale? To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold? In other words, can you shave or mold a God in your hand? Are you willing to put your life in the hands of something that you make? Overlaid with gold and decorated with silver and chains? To whom will you compare me? God says. Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all that you see there? Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army one after another. Look at this, calling each one of them by name. Do you not think if God has a name for every star, He knows your name? He knows who you are? Because of His great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. 
You see, as we look at Scripture, we can find out what God is like. But we can also find out what God is like by looking at His Son. Because it tells us a whole lot about who He is. You see, God's ultimate act of pursuing us was sending His Son, Jesus, to our world. God's greatest act of compassion was sending His Son to show us what God is like. Jesus came to earth to tell us exactly what God is like. But He also came to show us what God is like. You see, nobody probably knows exactly what I'm like, but my wife and my children can tell you exactly what I'm like. So, so as Jesus is the one to show us exactly what God is like. And I think the scripture says in in Luke chapter 11 that the disciples had seen Jesus pray and they knew that that gave him a special connection to God. And so the disciples come to Jesus in Luke chapter 11 and they basically, of all the questions they ask him, they ask him to teach them to pray. And I think Jesus sees this as a teaching moment. And, And so he shows them not just how to pray, but who to pray to, and that there is a relationship in our prayers. That's what he does for us, okay? And and if you notice there in Luke chapter 11, look what it says there. When you pray, say, Almighty King, Gracious God. Is that what it says? No. When you pray, he says, make it personal. You're part of the family. Our Father, where? Which art in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is saying to his followers, and he's spoken to his disciples there, and he's speaking to us, and he's saying, when you pray, address God as Father, our Father in heaven. Of all the words, of all the titles, he says, God is like your father. Now, a lot of people think, I think sometimes that the Lord's prayer is now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to seek or to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I've thought about that because you know what I remember? I don't remember a lot when I was little. I remember my mama praying that prayer with me and it scared me to death. Think about it. If I should die, I ain't but seven, mama, and he's going to take my soul. I don't think we ever prayed that prayer with our kids. That's a scary prayer. Yeah. Did you know that that, uh, William Perry, and I've shared this with you a while back, so I won't bore you with it, but William Perry was asked by his coach, Mike Ditka, to lead them in the Lord's Prayer, and this is the prayer that he played right here. Now I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Can you see this big 338-pound lineman praying that prayer? That's not the Lord's Prayer, okay? The Lord's Prayer talks about him being a father. Of all the titles he could have chosen. Watch this. If your perception of God is not what it needs to be, did you know that will affect your prayer life? That will affect what you pray for? Your prayer life hinges on who God is in your life. Because see, when you pray, if you don't understand the relationship, you're going to miss out on the power. You're going to miss out on the grace. You're going to miss out on the mercy. You're going to miss out on the forgiveness. For some of you this morning, as I mentioned the fact that God is our Father, that troubles you. 
And I understand that. Because your perception of father is not a good one. Your mind goes back to somebody that was harsh to you, unloving, abusive, someone that maybe rejected you. It it, it represents pain. But James is telling these guys and he's telling us that, that God is the father that we've all wanted. In fact, in Psalms chapter 68, the scripture says that, that God is a father to the fatherless. Maybe there's somebody here today and you don't know your father or your father has not been what he needs to be or your father is not in your life. Jesus, I I believe, says here and the psalm says here that God wants to treat you special and he is a father to the fatherless. In fact, in John chapter 14, Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the father little boy was praying one day and I read this and I thought it was so great. He said, Dear God, our Father, I hope nothing happens to you or we'll all be in a big mess. Maybe that's just how we need to pray sometimes. We just need to make it simple. God, Father, I'm in a mess. I'm glad you're here. Look to God as your Father. Because see, your potential, your power is limited by how you perceive God. Jesus goes on to explain who God is. In Luke chapter 15, he, he, he's there and, and it says there's some parables or stories, however you want to mention those. But he basically gives a few stories there and, and there's, there's three of them. And the first one is, is about a sheep that was lost. And it says, you know, there, there's 99 sheep, and, but we're going to go for the one that was lost. And it talks about a lost, lost coin, how you perceive that lost coin. And then the third parable there, a lot of people call it the prodigal of the, of the lost son. I really think it's more about the parable of the loving father. Okay? But, but, but you will miss the power of this story or this parable if you don't understand the context of it, if you don't understand the audience. Because it goes on to explain there that there were tax collectors, there were sinners, there were Pharisees, and, and the teachers of the law, or maybe even the scribes. So there was a very mixed audience, okay? In the biblical days, the tax collectors and the sinners didn't mix with those guys. Because those guys were self-righteous. They didn't want the sinners with them, okay? They were judgmental. They put them down. They didn't think there was any place for them in the synagogue, okay? So here is Jesus, and he is welcoming everybody. And if you look in the first part of that chapter there, it says that the crowd was uneasy, especially the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And it also goes on to say, if you look at some other translation, that there was murmuring. Have you ever been in a situation where people just kind of start murmuring? That's what this was like. Because these guys didn't like it. I remember a a number of months ago we were talking with some people and and I made a comment. I said, Four Points Church is for the least and the lonely and the unloved. And a lot of our service is geared toward them. And there was a couple people that I was talking to and I said, you need to understand that because that service is not about us. And I had somebody look at me and like, do you really mean that? You, you mean that's what, what the service is about? Guys, yes, that's what the service is about. That's who we are at Four Points Church. 
to reach the lost and the lonely and the unloved. That's why it doesn't matter how you dress when you come here, okay? That's why we have the music we have. That's, you are welcomed here at who you are. Baggage and all. That's what Four Points Church is all about. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to tell this crowd here. And I think it's so funny because I guarantee you Jesus understands what they're thinking. And, and, and as then Jesus says to them, I'm going to tell you a story. Wouldn't you like to be there to hear him tell the story? I imagine some of the Pharisees probably thought, well, he's going to really get them. But then as Jesus begins to tell the story, I believe these guys start squirming. Now let's look at this story because I believe it tells us what the father is like in Luke chapter 15. There was a man who had two sons. And see, the thing that is so neat about this story versus the other one, the other story about, or story about the sheep, I don't think many of us can relate to sheep, okay? Maybe you can. We've all lost a coin, probably. Okay, I'm not sure we went crazy about finding it. But everybody can relate to the story of the father and the son. In fact, in that audience, that day, they were probably all men. So everybody there was either a father or a son. And here's what he said. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. In other words, when the father gave him his estate, which was including land, he probably had to go sell all that, okay? Which means he got probably almost nothing for it, not near what it was worth, all right? And he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. <clears throat> After he had spent everything, in other words, there was nothing left, he'd blown it all, you know, the stock market had bust, okay? A severe famine was in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Now, we see right here that God has a sense of humor, okay? This boy was a Jew, we believe. Jews wouldn't eat pork. They hated pork. Now, this Jewish boy is in a, a pen with a bunch of pigs feeding pigs. He longed to fill his stomach. Now, listen to this. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. One reason Jews hated pigs was because of what they ate. Now he's just wishing, if I could just eat like a pig. Some of us do that anyway, don't we? But no one gave him anything. So look what happens. <clears throat> so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. As we look at this story here, there's a lot of things that I think we can pick up and understand about what God is like. You see, when the audience heard this story, they were blown away because they had not heard of this kind of God. They had not heard of a God of compassion. They had not heard of a God that would run to meet His Son. They had heard of a judgmental God. They felt like outcasts. They felt like they could never have a relationship with God. But here, 
Someone that they have heard of that, that some people really believed was the Son of God is painting a whole different picture. Here's the first thing I want you to see this morning. The Father loves you so much, He will let you go. The Father loves you so much, He'll let you go. This boy goes to his father and he says, I want what's mine. I, I want a third of the inheritance because the father was still alive. It was a father and two sons. But when he does that, he's basically saying to his father, in my mind, you're dead. In my mind, you don't even exist anymore. In, in my mind, you're nothing and I want nothing to do with you or nothing to do with your God or with your life. That's, that's what he was implying. The father in this story is, is humiliated. He's rejected. He's emotionally abandoned. And see, in, in this story, it's very clear that the father is God himself. Now listen to me this morning. The father loves you so much that he will let you go. And in fact, he is saying here to this son, I will never force you to stay. But if you're determined... To walk away, God will let you go. But just because you walk away does not change the relationship if you have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, some of you here this morning, you have walked away from God. And your life is a mess because of it. And you can walk away from the fellowship, you can walk away from His blessing, you can walk away from His favor, and you can walk away from His protection. But you cannot walk away from the relationship. He is still pursuing you. And His message to you today is God is pursuing you. God doesn't want to let you go. He'll send warnings to you. He'll put red lights up. He'll let you know it, but He will let you go. Maybe this morning your relationships are in a mess because you have let God go. Your finances are in a mess because you've turned your back on God. Your career's a mess. In fact, maybe your whole life this morning could be a mess because you've turned your back on Almighty God and God Loved you so much that he let you go. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine uh, years ago, and, and he was telling me about a man in his church that was a friend of his that had had an immoral relationship, and, and he had lost his family, he had lost his marriage, he'd got bitter toward God, and his life was miserable. And in speaking to his pastor friend, about what had happened, he, he said, if this was so wrong, what I was going to do, why did God let me do it? Maybe some of you have asked that same question. God did not stop him for the same reason he didn't stop Adam and Eve. God didn't stop him for the same reason he didn't stop David from having an affair with Bathsheba because that is not the nature of God. The nature of God is to let you go, it is your choice. Now here's the second thing I want you to see that shows us the nature of God. God loves you so much, He will run to meet you. God will let you go, but He will run to meet you. You see, this wayward son hadn't done too well. In fact, he squandered everything. He wasted everything. He was living not high on the hog, but he was living 
like a hawk, right? His, his life had dissipated. He wasted everything he had. And he hated where he was at. But then he began to reflect back on his father. And he said, at least I had three good meals. At least I knew I was loved. And at least I wouldn't be feeding the pigs. So he swallowed his pride, the scripture says, and started a long journey back home. But look again at what the scripture says, how the father received him. But while he was still a long way off, I picture a, a dirt road. I, I picture a field. And, and I think, you know, he, he, our children are older now, but even as, you know, they're all, both going to be home this week for spring break. And, and you know, we're excited. And, and you know, just the, the concept of that and, you know, that they're going to... I can think about this father. Because I, I wonder if he didn't look down that dirt road every single day and just wonder, is he ever going to come home? Will I ever see him again? And then the scripture said, look what it says. He saw him and was filled with compassion. In other words, he looked down at old dirt road and there was his son. And he didn't just stand there and wonder, well, what are he's doing? No, the scripture says the father ran to him. Okay? They wore robes. They didn't run necessarily in those days. But he picked the, 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 the robe up and he ran to his son. Look what it says. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. When those sinful tax collectors and people and, and Pharisees and scribes and, and, and teachers of the law heard this, they were blown away because they did not perceive that as a picture of God. In fact, I believe the religious leaders really began to, to squirm because they had ju said just the opposite. And here the Son of God comes and says, God is pursuing you. And even if you've lived a life of sin, even if your life is a mess, God is pursuing you. And He's not only pursuing you, but He's running to meet you. And He's meeting you and pursuing you with compassion. In the ancient days, an ancient scholar said that, that this was a story that the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis would tell. That they would tell this story in their synagogues and when they would speak. But there was a big difference in this story. Because when the, the, the rabbis told this story, it didn't have the same meaning. In fact, when the rabbis told the story, they told it as the son came crawling to the dead, to the dad, and the dad basically would tell the son, you go back to the pig pen you've been feeding in. You're no longer my son. And in fact, sometimes the rabbi would even tell the story that they would have the son stoned to death. So when Jesus is telling this story, they've never heard it like this. And everybody is, is, is really listening to this story. Because Jesus gives it a whole new meaning and, and a whole new compassion. And in this story, they begin to see what God is like. And remember, he knows who his audience is. He knows who's there to hear the story. And in this story, Jesus was showing me and you what the Father is like. And look what it says in 2 Chronicles. The Lord your God is gracious. Can I tell you something this morning? There is no, it doesn't matter what you have done, the life you've lived, where you're at right now. The scripture says the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. 
and he will not turn his face from you if you will return to him. That word there could even be if you will repent and come to him. In other words, the door is open. He's saying, will you just come back? I've got grace and mercy and compassion. If we repent and return to him, the scripture says, Jesus says that he comes running and that there's a celebration in heaven. Listen to me this morning. If you have walked away from God, that was your choice. It was your choice. It was not God's choice and he was willing to let you go, but he also ran to meet you. But look at the rest of this passage in Luke. His son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. So now Jesus is almost identifying and, and, and telling these tax collectors and sinners what they had heard. But then listen, he says, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the fatted calf or the calf we've been fattening. Because we must celebrate and have a feast. The son of mine that was dead has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And let the party begin. This is Jesus saying, we're going to have a celebration. We're going to party. And I imagine the Pharisees were having a cow. And the sinners and the tax collectors were back in the back. Yeah, let's do it, Jesus. That's what the Father's like. That's not who a lot of us understand and think. But they, the Bible says that, that when a lost person comes to Christ or when a person that's away from God comes home, there is a celebration. Guys, if you don't think there's going to be parties in heaven, you've been reading the wrong book. Okay? There was a celebration. The third thing I want you to see this morning God the Father loves you so much and puts your name in there that he throws a party when you return. He throws a party when you return. That's why at our church here, when somebody's baptized, we stand and, and we clap and we just raise the ceiling because there is a celebration because that new life has begun. And here's the last thing I want you to see this morning. God loves you so much, he will allow you to make your own choices. That's who God is. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God, the Father of Jesus. That's the God, our Father. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, maybe this is something that you can learn from this story. Because Jesus gives you a choice to receive Him or reject Him. He's pursuing you for a relationship. He wants you to be part of His family. But guys, he leaves the choice up to you. He's not going to push himself on you. He lets you make that decision. Can I tell you something? God never sends anybody to hell. Okay? He gives you a choice. You either receive his invitation for an eternity in heaven, or by your rejection, you're doing that to yourself. That was never God's desire. It's your choice. He lets you make that choice. 
He's not going to force that relationship on you. Look what he says to us, every single one of us. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking at your life. He's knocking at your heart. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's what Jesus is saying to you this morning. That's what God the Father is saying to you. I'm pursuing you. The relationship is ours. But I'll let you reject me. But I'd love it if you would receive me. I want you to be part of my family. I open my heart to your love. I want a relationship. I want your life to have purpose and meaning. I want to be involved in what you do. In other words, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, looks at every single one of us and says, I want a relationship with you. I want to pursue you. I want to know you. I want to be part of your life. And even if you go away from me, I'm going to let you go. But when you come back, I'm going to run to you. And we're going to have a party. That is the God of the Bible. That is the God that created the universe. That is the God of heaven. And I hope that that is the God that you know. If not, can I tell you this morning that God is knocking at your door? God is pursuing you, and I believe there's somebody here in this service that God is pursuing. There's somebody here right now that God is knocking at your door, and you maybe understand what the Father's like, and maybe you are ready to would you just bow your heads with me just a second? A number of years ago, when I was a young teenager, I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to step out of heaven and step into my heart. And I, I prayed a simple prayer, and it wasn't the prayer that saved me, but it was opening my heart and the pursuit of God to realize that my life was a mess and I needed a Savior. And, and I prayed a simple prayer asking Jesus to come into my heart to forgive me and to be my Savior. I'm going to pray that prayer with you this morning. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer. I don't want you to pray it out loud. I just want you to pray it there in your seat with me if you need to be a follower of Jesus. If, if you need Christ to step out of heaven and step into your heart, just pray this prayer with me after me there in your seat. Dear Jesus, I need you. Dear Jesus, Dear God, I want you to be my Heavenly Father, and I believe you sent your Son, Jesus, to me. I need a Savior. I love you. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for rising again. And will you be my Savior? Can I be part of your family? If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, and you meant that, and you want to be a part of the kingdom, you want to be able to call God your Father. Would you look up at me real quickly? Just raise your hand. I promise I won't embarrass you. We just have some stuff we can give you. Is, is there anybody here, if you prayed that prayer, would you just look at me? Thank you, hon. Thank you right there. Anybody else that prayed that prayer with me this morning? Anybody else? Just be sure I see you. Just wave at me or look at me. Anybody else? There may be somebody else here this morning that prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer this morning, there's some stuff we have for you back at the information desk. If you'll just go back there as you leave the first first steps desk, or, or we'll have somebody right here, right here in the front, Lindsay. 
right, that we'll just give you a packet and, and we'll be glad to talk with you about that, tell you about the love of God, the love of the Father. And uh, we just want you to know what God is like. And we want to help you in that journey. Dear Jesus, we love you. Dear Jesus, we praise you. We thank you, Father God, for who you are. We thank you that you pursue us. God, even when we don't deserve to be pursued and that your mercy and grace is there for us to forgive us. Father God, the many times you have ran to meet me. Father God, I thank you that we can just throw a party for those that come in. Father, we thank you for this young lady here and we're just celebrating her. And God, I know there's a celebration in heaven. We love you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray.